joining us now, Raptors beat reporter at TSN Sports, TSN 1050. It is Josh Lewenberg. Happy holidays. Good morning, Josh. What's up, Cause? How's it going, guys? Hey, buddy. Doing well. Doing well. Um, I'm going to apologize. Carlo has about 12 Washington Wizards Raptors related question to the game tonight. He wants to he Bring wants it. to break down all the X's and O's. I don't know if we'll have time to get to all of it. But where I, I kind of want to start here is I feel bad for Pascal Siakam. He just played in his five hundredth game. His story, his development, his rise is an incredible, unique, inspirational story. Yet it feels like all Raptor fans are in the same place. We can't celebrate him because we all want him traded because it feels that's the that's the number one way for this team to get better and to reset is by trading someone that you can get a lot back for. And I guess the point here, Josh, is this season's gone so bad that we've gone from celebrating Siakam to hoping he gets moved, and I feel dirty about it, but that's just the truth. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for him for a few reasons. Basically, he's been in limbo for two years, having to hear his name in trade rumors, which can't be easy. I mean, I think, like, at some point you just kind of learn to brush it off. But these guys, like, they read, they they hear what's going on. And, I mean, for the most part, that was the entire summer for Pascal Siakam is hearing about Atlanta and Indiana, Sacramento, all of these teams that were reportedly in the mix for, for trading for him. Um and then, of course, the contract situation. Being in a contract year is tough, but then especially for a player of his caliber, like this is almost unprecedented in today's NBA to have a two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA guy. I mean, like, listen, is he a true number one? No, probably not. But I think at worst, most people would agree he's a top 20, top 30 player in the NBA. And guys like that just, like, they don't go to free agency anymore. Guys like that that are in a contract year, they sign extensions. And not only has he not signed an extension, he hasn't even been offered an extension. You can also sort of understand it from the Raptors' side of things, too, at least the extension part of it, where you bring in a new coach, you're playing in a new system, you're coming off of a really disappointing year, which, as it turns out, maybe wasn't so disappointing. 41-41, they may have overachieved last year based on the personnel, but we'll say that it was a disappointing year just based on their expectations. So I can understand why they would kind of want to see how things would go this year before committing to Siakam or anybody else. But yeah, for, for Siakam to have to kind of just tune all of it out and focus on the job, it, it has to be difficult. And to his credit, he has done a really, really good job of it. He has been an absolute professional since day one of training camp. Being around him, you would have no idea that any of this is going on. Uh, so I, I give him a lot of credit. And hopefully for his sake and for the Raptors' sake, they figure this thing out sooner rather than later. And I do think at some point they've got to figure it out. Um, yeah, it, it would be unfortunate, I, I would think, for this to continue to play out into the off season when he becomes a free agent and they run the risk of losing him for nothing. Um, so hopefully it gets figured out here sometime over the next couple months leading up to the February 8th trade deadline, whether they trade him or extend him. I think one of those two things needs to happen. 
Josh, help us understand what happened Saturday night. The Raptors looked like they were in complete control of that game. They had a 17-point lead, and then they get outscored by 20 in the fourth quarter. And Darko Ryakovich, after the game, says, well, it's not like I can call on somebody like Steph Curry to come off the bench and help save the game for us. In your eyes, what went wrong for the Raptors, and what did you make of that comment? <laughs> yeah, Steph's not walking through the door. He's not wrong. Um, I'm surprised <laughs> he said it. Um, I'm surprised he said it. I, I do think, like, it, it points the finger at the front office, right? Like, he's, he's got the pieces that he has to work with, nothing more, and he can only do what he can do with those pieces. Is he doing everything he can with those pieces, though? That's the question. It's interesting because after that game, and pretty much ever since, like, I can't help but thinking about Nick Nurse and everything that went wrong last year. Um, and ultimately, Nurse was the sacrificial lamb. He was the scapegoat coming off of last season. And as I just mentioned, like, it's interesting now looking back in hindsight because 41 and 41 coming off of, like, a pretty good year the season before seemed like a disappointment. And then there were all these things, like, about Nurse that people started to get really irritated about. I think one was, like, the style of play, right? Like, it, it wasn't aesthetically pleasing. Um, they would give the ball to Siakam. He would <laughs> dribble out the, the clock pretty much, and, and that was their offense, in the half court anyway. And they would kind of muck up the game. They would try to maximize possessions, Um through forcing turnovers, crashing the offensive glass. But they needed to play that way because of the personnel. Nurse was right. Like, if you're not going to be a good shooting team, if you're not going to be able to score in the half court, get as many possessions as possible. It makes sense. People were on Nurse about his minutes distribution, overplaying the starters and underplaying the bench. But guess what? He was right. Like, based on the personnel – they had to play that way in order to try and win as many games as possible. And that's what Nurse was trying to do, is win as many games as possible. And I think as a result of playing that way, like I said, I think they may have overachieved just based on the personnel last year. So is Darko doing everything he can to win games? No, I don't think that he is right now, because I do think the ceiling for this team is somewhere around the 500 mark. And they're well below the 500 mark at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I think there are things that's interesting because, like, I, I don't know how much of it is his fault. He was brought in essentially to be the anti-nurse in a lot of ways, like play a different style of basketball. Okay, well, that's great, but they don't have the personnel to do that. Play the bench. That's great, but they don't have the personnel to do that. And I also think, like, one of the things that's been very different from the, the Nick Nurse days is, like, the lack of experimentation. Of course, Nurse was, like, the mad scientist, whereas Darko was all about, like, find your lineups, stick with the lineups. There's been a few tweets here and there, but for the most part, he's sticking with his groups, and there's some merit in that, certainly, in that, like, okay, we'll try to let them build chemistry and see where it goes, but at this point, like, the sample size is big enough. The starters do not work. A lot of these bench units he's using, they do not work. So in that sense, like, that's where the frustration, I think, comes in, where, like, no, they don't have Steph Curry, but that doesn't mean you can't try some new things and see what works. At the end of the day, though, like, he can mix and match, and I think maybe this is the point he's making. He can mix and match, and all of a sudden they're not becoming a playoff team. Maybe they get a few extra wins here and there, but at the end of the day, like, how much is that worth to you as an organization to try and squeeze out a few more wins? 
I do agree, though. If Steph Curry was on the Raptors, they would probably have a better record. Um, Josh, let's look ahead. I know we can't do that. The Raptors taking on Washington tonight. But tomorrow, the Pistons play Boston. The Celtics will probably win that game. Then it's the Pistons versus the Raptors, where the Pistons have the chance of breaking the 76ers' all-time record for consecutive losses. How scared are you of the Raptors-Pistons game? I'm not scared. I'm looking forward to it. Probably more than I look forward to a Raptors game in a while. Oh, that's um, what they've done to you. They've broken you. They've broken me, but that, that, that happened a while ago. Um, yeah, wouldn't that be the cherry on top of this garbage Sunday? It's a loss to Detroit. Um, and the, 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 the brilliant part of it at this point is, like, I think like it wouldn't shock anybody, certainly not like around this Raptors team, certainly not Raptors fans. If anything, I think they're almost expecting it. Um, yeah, that, that would be... The tension in that building, especially again, like from the Raptors, like you're you're probably at that point at that point not even playing to win, you're just playing not to lose, and nothing good can happen from that. Um, yeah, <laughs> if you're Detroit, you probably have that game circled right now as a chance for a win because, I mean, I think a few things. People are are definitely sensing the vulnerability from this Raptors team right now, but also, and this is maybe the most like disheartening thing for the Raptors is that in addition to the fact that like they don't have an identity right now, they don't know who they are. We don't know who they are. So they certainly don't know who they are. If you ask them, they probably tell you, well, they're a defensive team, but they're at least 17th in defense on the season. So just below average. And then over the last month, the span in which they've lost 10 of 13 games, they're 26th in defense. So they are not a defensive team. It used to be, that you play the Raptors, you knew, even when they weren't that talented a couple of years ago, you knew that you were just going to get a fight, the resiliency. They were going, it was going to be a tough, gritty game. They were going to make you work for it, and that is not the case at all anymore. Like, this is a team that you want to play. They're not scaring anybody. So, yeah, if you're Detroit and you're in the middle of a historic losing streak, you're probably looking forward to playing the Raptors over the weekend. Yeah, if ja, oh. if Dwayne Casey was the coach, it'd be an absolute lock that the oh, be a, Pistons yes. would win. <laughs> oh my God! You tell them the organization. Yeah. Yep, that's true. That's true. Next to the highest-paid coach in the NBA, oh, Monty God. Williams. <laughs> hey, Josh, appreciate it. It's the Raptors versus Washington tonight. Uh, hopefully, we get the joy of Scotty Barnes and a win. But all eyes are going to be on what happens with the Pistons tomorrow against Boston and does that translate against the Raptors in the next game. Thanks so much, Josh. Happy holidays. Thanks for joining the show. To you guys as well. Happy New Year. Take care. Happy New Year to you. That is Josh Lewenberg. 